Monday, fight fans. Welcome back to the Couchside Judges. I'm Scott Fontana. You can follow me on Twitter at Scott underscore Fontana. And I'm Dan Urban. You can follow me at the Dan Urban. You can also follow the podcast at Couchside Judges. And you can subscribe to the show wherever you listen. And if you like the show, you like what you're hearing, give us that five-star review. And as always, we talk judging and MMA. So you should learn the criteria at abcboxing.com. Quiet fight weekend, huh, Dan? Wow. Busy weekend of fights. Oh, my goodness. It was it was awesome, especially Saturday night, because we finally had, I mean, forget just the fact that we had fans back. Obviously, that was interesting in and of itself. Forget the fact that we had three title fights. Finally, 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 we got an event that had a bunch of finishes again. It's, it feels like forever since we've been talking about fights that actually like ended, and we got a ton of them. We got a ton of fights that ended early, and they were awesome. I was I was very happy about that. Obviously, we had a ton of rounds to discuss, too. There are quite a few that we've got on the docket for this show, uh, because obviously that's our thing, and mm-hmm. it, it ended up working out that we've got some really good stuff to be discussing. I think, you know, especially when we have these events where a bunch of people come out and watch, I think it's always more interesting to to discuss what they saw, because you get a lot of people fired up one way or the other, right? Oh, yeah, 100%. But, uh, yeah, I mean, before we even get to our contested rounds, for this episode, I think we've just got to talk about UFC 261, right? And just the, the you know, the fact that he had these three title fights, chiefly being Kamaru Usman getting the devastating one-punch knockout that of was... Jorge Masvidal with some super necessary follow-up shots. Super violent, too. My God. His whole body was in some kind of motion. I, I, he was rocked from his head to his toe. Now, I know you didn't get to watch it live. I know you watched it uh, earlier today. We're recording on Sunday here. Um, I've had the chance to watch this knockout several times. Uh, it's hard to avoid it. It's been a lot of fun uh, watching it every time. Not, you know, nothing against Rory Moss at all, but I went, oh my goodness, this was just, a, it was a beautiful punch. It was, oh my God, the slow motion replay that they showed like 10 times. Uh, with the sweat exploding off oh. his head. <laughs> yes. Someone said this and, is what uh, dehydration and, and just, looks like. And just the way Usman's body goes like all the way through on the punch. I mean, he really stepped like you see people throw punches and commit to punches. I mean, this dude, he connected and he committed to that punch with every fiber of his being and went through him to the point where his shoulder had come forward enough to knock Masvidal's body in a different direction than he would have fallen just because his shoulder connected there. Well, what happened was Usman saw Colby in the first row. And he was trying to punch him. He just oh, had is that to, what it was? He had to go through Jorge first. Uh, that, so that's, that's why it slowed down. Yeah. Uh, that wouldn't have been smart because the cage would have gotten in the way too. I, I think he knows better. Though. He went He's right smart. through it. <laughs> that was that was just crazy. And then the fact that Herb Dean tries to get in and there's stop it or at least kind of see what's going on. And obviously he's not trying to do this, but I th- it looked like Usman's kind of boxing him out a little bit. Like he can't even get a good visual on like what does yeah. Jorge look like. So those follow-up shots... You know, obviously he lands three or four that like were completely unnecessary. Uh, or again, as Usman said, super necessary to uh, <laughs> quote the guy on the floor. Uh, you know, it, it's not like I think Herb Dean did everything he could to kind of assess the situation. It's not like he's going to just stop it without really seeing if he's out. Like it's hard to see yeah. if he misses the exact, you know, look at his face, the way he's reacting, that kind of thing. Uh, no, no fault on the stoppage, but <laughs> I mean, it just kind of worked out where he probably took several shots, uh, too many. Yeah, he took a couple shots he didn't need to take, but also his body was in motion from the first punch in the fall. So it could have looked like from where Herb was standing, like you said, he was kind of being boxed out by Usman. 
might look like he was getting up. Yeah, exactly. That's so, I, you know, no, no problem with the stoppage. Yeah. whatsoever. I think it's a good stoppage. It just the nature of the beast as it was in that particular scenario. He did probably take a few more shots than necessary, but you know, it's it's the way it is sometimes. Yeah. It's just that was just the nature of the beast, like I said. But an amazing win for Kamaru Usman, and I think this is this is definitely the peak of his highlight reel there, right? Oh, to knock yeah. out the guy has to who be. called him pillow hands yep. leading up to this fight. He told me <laughs> he had pillow hands the other day. And and sure if he does this, knocks out someone who hadn't been knocked out for Ever. 13 years. No, no, no. no they, this... they were standing on the broadcast. They kept standing on the broadcast. Never. Oh, okay. His first loss was a TKO loss 2008 against Rodrigo Dom. You remember him? No. Nope. He had a sister, Karina Dom, also fought. Uh, he was on, uh, Dom was on the First tough Brazil season, and he had a couple fights in the UFC, okay. I think. Right. But anyway, yeah. So that's um that that clarifies just one thing that people were talking. They were talking about on the broadcast. Super rare to knock this guy out. He hadn't been finished in twelve years. Period. So nobody really expected it to go like this. It's incredible from Usman. Just the guy. He's he's probably pound for pound two, I guess, next to John Jones or Khabib. You know, well, Khabib is retired. I think we have to take him out of there and respect that. Um. But as far as guys who are technically still active, it's between him and John Jones. And we haven't seen John Jones in 14 months. Uh, I have no problem at this point moving Kamara Usman ahead of John Jones. I'm okay with that. All right. I want to see John Jones fight again. He, he's got to fight again. And, and Me he too. should be allowed to be fighting Francis Ngannou if he's going to get paid uh, yeah. what he deserves. And he really should be. Now you've got, did you see this today that, uh, Jake Paul, of all people, is calling out Dana White for not paying the fighters. I, uh, you know what? He's I, turned, he went from the total villain to now he's like the savior that that MMA needed, MMA fighters needed for their pay. Well, I mean, Florida let let their feelings known about him. They did, but but he's starting to change the narrative today. Now it, he's, it was kind of wild. Nobody expected this. <laughs> crazy. It's like uh, what was it? I I want to say it was uh, Ben Folks of the Athletic said this is a very Jamie Lannister. A uh, turn <laughs> that he's starting to make Jake Paul. <laughs> yeah. But you know, what do you think of, of Usman in general? You know, I mean, is he, he's not the goat yet. Like you, it would not be fair to do that, especially when you've got George St. Pierre ahead of him. You've got the legacy of, of Matt Hughes. Uh, but I mean, you've spoken before about how much respect you have for how long he could be the champion. I mean, are, are we watching a special fighter, like a really special, truly talented, amazing fighter like in his prime right now? There's a couple people I want to watch him fight first before mm-hmm. I before I write him off as the the all time goat, which I think he's on the on his way to being. Right. I I want to see him fight Covington one more time, and I I want to see Wonder Boy because that's kind of a tricky matchup. So you know, the funny thing is he. He said to me, because I asked him kind of what he thought about some of these guys he hasn't faced yet. Um, and, you know, so I, I was specifically about Wonderboy Thompson. It was about uh, Vicente Luque and Michael Chiesa. You know, those those are like the three guys that are kind of like roughly in the mix of the top there that, that like kind of ought to be next as far as fresh challengers. And he specifically said he liked the idea of fighting Luque, who is a, a friend and a former training partner. Um, he did point that out. So. Obviously, there's a lot of that there. Um, he does not like the idea necessarily of fighting Wonder Boy. He's kind of playing it down as like, oh, you know, he had his two shots. He, he couldn't beat Tyron Woodley. And and I think more specifically, he doesn't keep as active a schedule the last few years. Okay. But essentially, it was kind of like, a, well, if you pay me enough, I'll fight anybody. Okay. So well, <laughs> he, yeah. he kind of added that, more or less added that. I'm paraphrasing, but 
So that's kind of where he sits with with Wonder Boy. I think Wonder Boy probably just needs at least one more win over somebody like active and 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 high level too. You know, Jeff Neal wouldn't necessarily be enough. All right. That's that's where it sits. But I will say that Colby Covington most definitely does need to be next. I think we need to see that fight again because he is definitely the number one contender at welterweight. You know, he he realistically should have been this fight instead of Jorge Masvidal. You know, I think there is a little bit of kind of, hey, you know, that was definitely Kamar Usman's most competitive fight. And also, I do believe that he would beat Covington pretty handily, and I wouldn't mind seeing that happen. I, I just want to see it again. It's, Covington's given him the, the toughest challenge yet, so that's why I want to see it. See how much Usman has improved. Does he beat him handily this time? Who knows? I, I thought Covington smashed Woodley worse than Usman did. I do too, but you know that so that I, can be I, a result of several yeah. factors. You know, I mean, we're we're talking about this is someone who you know lost to Usman a year and a half ago. His skills seem to have clearly eroded. He's not even with the UFC anymore. His contract expired, and he's now a free agent. Right, as we I, learned over the weekend. So you know, it's that's that doesn't, MMA it doesn't math. exactly impress me. It's MMA math, but yeah, he can't do that. But is it also has Covington also come up and improved since the last fight with Usman? I don't know. Wanna, Maybe he has, but I, I think Usman is growing uh, by much bigger leaps than than Covington is. You know, this is this is based on you know my belief that he is with a much better coach and Trevor Whitman. Trevor realistically, Whitman, yeah. is he the best coach in MMA? Probably, especially with striking, which is where Usman is was the furthest behind and seems to be making the greatest strides. So, you know, it's not like his wrestling got worse. Yeah. I don't imagine. Uh, I really just think that he's going to be a lot better than Covington. Who's yeah? You want to talk pillow hands? Holy Covington, I think has pillow. <laughs> we'll find out. Yeah, but you know what's what's uh you know we spoke about Covington, we spoke about Usman. What about Masvidal? What happens with him? There's one answer. What? And one answer only. We got two oh nine. Nick Diaz, Jorge Masvidal. That's the fight, and that's you the don't only like, fight. You don't like Nick Diaz, evidently, because why would you do that fight? Why wouldn't you do that fight? It's going to sell like crazy. Nick Diaz's little brother, Nate, just kind of got screwed a little bit in his last fight by the New York doctor. I mean, that cut would have never been stopped anywhere else. That's weird. Nick hadn't fought, hasn't fought in six years. Doesn't man. matter. It doesn't dumb, matter. This is such a dumb idea. It doesn't matter <laughs> at all. Can I, can I propose a different idea? No. There's only one answer. And it's Nick Diaz, and it's going to happen. Nick was in Jacksonville this weekend. He wants to fight. He wants Masvidal. It's going to happen. That's the fight. I think you're a masochist. I think it's a terrible idea. I'm just beyond the record of that. <laughs> Nick Diaz is going to beat him, too. And I know you like Nick Diaz. But I don't understand why you want this for him. It's a terrible idea. Because Nick's going to win. All right. Anyway, what about the other title fights? Well, what was we your had... idea, then? My, you want my idea. You told me no. I want to hear how dumb it is. Well, my, idea to Nick was, Diaz. my idea is it's going to be Covington after uh, Covington loses to Usman. Or or even if he wins, screw it. But that's a fight together. It just needs to happen. Oh, I don't see that ever happening. I don't. I don't. You, I you don't think Covington and Masvidal, who I truly don't, don't think, like each other anymore, would have that fight? I truly don't think they dislike each other. I think it's an act. It's possible. I actually believe it, though. Maybe Nick, I'm a mark. We'll, we'll see. Nick Diaz. Moving on, though. Moving on to the ladies' title fights here. We had uh, we had Rose Namajunas, of course. With the first round KO, uh, just not a stunning one, but just an explosive, fantastic one of Zhang Wiley. Wiley didn't even believe that she had been knocked out 
up until the point they spoke to her in the cage afterward, which they shouldn't have spoken to her in the cage afterward. I mean, the woman was definitely knocked out. What well, are you doing? They shouldn't have spoke to Masvidal either. No, they shouldn't. Have. I agree. I'm not. I don't disagree. Um, you're you're extending my point. Um, but <laughs> this was Joe Rogan's idea. Don't do this. Now he does it again. He probably like got he, to- he probably got told to. He probably forgot. Or maybe he forgot. Yeah. I I believe that Joe Rogan forgot his own rule. That is what I okay. believe. Because <laughs> if he believed it that heartily, he'd have remembered it. But I think he just forgot. Because you know Joe Rogan. And I think he's coasting right now. I was I was speaking to somebody else over the weekend uh, of the belief that Joe Rogan has been coasting for a while, and I agree. He just has he goes there to have fun and just yes, speak his he mind does and get a lot of money for doing very little other than just having a good time. And and I mean, some people enjoy it. a lot of people enjoy what he does, but realistically, like, is there was a time where he was very invested in this? I think he watched all the fights. I think he was up on everything. And now I don't know. He doesn't seem as prepared as he used to. He doesn't seem as into it as he used to. But that's, oh, he you know, seems, that's neither here nor there. He seems well into it. He's into the action. Eye. I'm not saying look, like the guy like lost his mind. Did you see? Did yeah. you see the reaction? Yeah, he lost knockout. his mind. Yeah. Like he looked like he saw a ghost in an '80s comedy. That was that. He... It was amazingly comical how over the top <laughs> his reaction was. So I think he's having fun. I think he cares, but I don't think he cares about putting in all the work that he used to. Do. That's what I believe. But that's neither here nor there. We're talking about Rose. Thug, Thug Rose. Rose. Huge win. Huge. I love Thug Rose. She's very popular. I I was speaking to a copy, or excuse me, a, a co-worker uh, who said, you know, they, I know there's someone who kind of occasionally watches. And he said he was most excited out of this whole weekend to watch Thug Rose. Mm-hmm. She was the she was the best on her tough season, too. She won a lot of people there. Then she, she always comes in. I just in wonder why, that. like, what is the appeal? Like, I'm, I'm, I'm not saying I dislike her. But what is like this mass appeal that she has that so many people love her? It's the 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 non. It seems like like she's just so nonchalant, like or unconfident in herself. That's how she comes off. But she obviously is very confident in herself. I think she comes off as real. You know, she kind of. Someone was touching upon this. I think it might have been. It might have been Chael actually after the event. I think he was essentially saying like she basically just wears her emotions on her sleeve. She'll talk about everything that other fighters yeah. maybe try to keep in. And it and that is fascinating and it's and it's relatable. She, she she's like a normal person. So, but that kick, man, was that a beautiful kick or what? Huge. Just folded her back. Game over. Not not a very long game either. And I just you know Jean- about that was about as long as a as a street fighter round. She must hit super hard because she she's dropped Joanna, and now she's knocked out uh, Wiley. She's got a lot of power. I, you know, she really does at that. I think she just has this very good way of generating it with her with her hips and, and, and torque and everything like that. A lot of fighters, especially at 115 pounds, just don't. Yeah, they, they just don't. She Usually. commits to her strikes don't. in a different way, I think. But not overcommit. She's just good. I, when she first came up, she was all about flash and doing all these crazy spin stuff without setting anything up. And now it seems like she's dialed it in. Pat Barry. Just a, just a question. Who's good. her coach? Pat Barry. But who does she work with? Oh, it's Trevor. Oh, Trevor Whitman's with her. I believe so. Okay. Well, so he's the coach. Pat Barry is is also on the you know the corner. He's he's so. definitely part of Team Rose. Yes, they're married, I believe. No, they're engaged. They'll oh, okay. be perpetually engaged. Okay, they're one of those couples, which is All fine right. to each their own. Yeah. But I mean, what do we do now with uh, with this division? I mean, you can't just put Joanna in there again, like especially because she She's lost, lost her last twice. fight. It was a great fight, but like. I, I who do you put there? Who's her next challenger? Please not Carla Esparza. 
it's probably gonna be. Girl I do not want to see. I don't want that. Uh, I would. But love... you know what? That's a. There's a hook to that. It's a rematch because she lost on tough in the title fight. Yeah, but uh, Carla Spars is just so boring. Uh, I know, but there's a hook to that. And, and if you don't like her, don't you think that Rose is gonna beat her? Well, yeah. I just, I just don't want to watch that fight. I, I mean, she bores me. I, I think on that another Rose level. Would... I think Rose would really just kind of drub her. I, I think it would look probably to the same degree uh, of lopsided as it was when Carla Esparza fought Joanna you know, Jacek and lost the title. Yeah. I think it would be a yeah. lot like at that level. You know, I probably would, but I'm just not interested in that match. Right, that's fine. That's fine. I, I think Mackenzie uh, Dern would right. be an interesting matchup. I don't, I don't want to go crazy with with all these. We probably should hasten our pace with uh, with a lot of these because we definitely want to get to all these rounds, right? But we real quick though. Valentina Shevchenko just completely dominated in her fight against Jessica Andraj. Yeah. I mean, was Andraj even in that fight for a second? Did Valentina ever break a sweat? <laughs> no, I don't think she did. <laughs> yeah, there's, I mean, there's nothing. You got to do Nunez versus her again. That's it. Oh, Amanda Nunez. Yeah, you want her yeah. to go up. I think, look, if you're looking for entertainment from a fan perspective, I think that's like really the only one that comes to mind. But I do believe that. Valentina really does want to build her division up. She wants to continue to work in that. And, and I mean, when I say build it up, I think she just wants to crush everybody there. I mean, Viviana uh, Arujo, maybe? That could be an interesting challenger, sure. Or Laura, but it's probably going to be someone like like Lauren Murphy. She went on a nice little run last she's year. Done, she's so. done enough to, to be a credible challenger, but not one that's like got a credible chance to win. I think, what, are the odds going to be like minus 1,300 or something? Yeah, not many people do have uh, credible chances to win. No, everybody thought that Andrade had a decent chance, and like that was, uh, she looked way more outmatched than Jennifer Maya did last year. She, yeah, she got smashed. Hmm. Uh, what do you think about Andrade? The last one before we get to the contested rounds. Do you think she should go back to under fifteen, stay at one twenty five? What? She arguably beat the champ last year, the current champion Rose. It was a split decision win for Rose. It was. I, I mean, I thought Rose won that fight, but you know, you give it five rounds, it can look different. So yeah, I, I think one fifteen. Is that what you're saying? Yeah. Yeah. I, I think if she's good making hundred fifteen pounds, and you know, when she when I spoke to her the other day, she definitely wants to. Uh, she really had her eye on going back to one fifteen and taking care of business against either uh, Whaley or Rose. So we'll see. We'll see what happens. I hope she goes there though. It doesn't seem like there's a future at one twenty five, other than you know, kind of being second banana, right? Yeah, pretty much. All right. On to contested rounds. Uh, I think we have to start with the one round that was scored in uh, Usman Masvidal because that was a split round, and I, I it was it was one that surprised me at least when I heard about it. Uh, when when I heard that that was the split round, there we had two judges see this one for Usman. That was uh, Sal D'Amato and Chris Lee. The third judge, Tony Weeks, saw it for Masvidal. What did you see, sir? I saw it for Usman. Uh, he ten nine. No, okay. no other degree other than of course. That. But, uh, he landed really strong shots. Uh, he landed really strongly on the feet. Everything he landed, Masvidal like smiled. I was like, "All right, all right," and like pointed at him. That big slam to the ground was pretty, you know, high impact. It was a competitive round. I just didn't think anything Masvidal did was better than Usman. He threw a lot from the bottom. The elbows, a lot of the leg elbows kicks. and the leg kicks are like the so, two things that that Masvidal really did in this fight or in this round. Yeah, and it, I just didn't think they were more effective than what Usman was doing on the feet. I agree. I, I'm totally with you. You know that plus, like you said, the the high impact takedown. Um, he was credited with two takedowns, I believe. I don't really know where the second one exactly was. It seemed kind of like a mat return. 
Oh yeah, but the, the, the Matt returns get credited as second takedowns. And it's kind of silly. I mean, that one it, that barely scores, it barely yeah. registers. But I think the first one you can <laughs> you can register uh, as a little bit more of a, an impact there. So yeah, I felt really good that this was an Usman round. I don't think it's I don't think it's crazy to give this to Masvidal, but uh, I, I don't know. It's 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 just a little iffy to me um, coming from Tony Weeks. Yeah, it's. A bit strange. And may, maybe he saw the leg kicks as being more effective or the elbows being more effective. I don't know. I, I, it, either way, it just I, I didn't see it. I was I was not on Tony Weeks' side for this one. <laughs> uh, we had, though, earlier in the evening, and this was a fight which, Dan, I, I know you weren't part of the conversation on social media for this uh, event, but after these scores were announced, I mean, people were, they they basically never let go of Troy Winkapaw. For giving the two scores he did in this uh, fight. So let's start with uh, again, Kazula Fargus uh, getting the win over Rongju 29 28 times two and 30 26 in this one. And because Winkapot was the one with that varied scorecard, he had two rounds that were off from his peers, starting with round one. And this was just a degree of, of win for Vargas. It was 10 9 versus 10 8 argument here. Uh, Eric Cologne. And Howard Reichbach, they saw this as a 10-9 for Vargas. Winkapaw gave a 10-8. What about you? Scott, I don't think I would have went 10-8 if we did this as a past judgment. I also thought the same thing. I was I was sitting there watching this round and I'm like, gosh, would I would I give this one a 10-8 if we could? I, I think it would have been like a debate. But no, no, I think it's this is like as solid a 10-9 as it gets. I don't know what. Troy Winkapaw is thinking here. I really don't know. I, mean, I really don't. And, and I mean, look, we, we've been doing this show for a year now. I think over the course of the last year, we've gotten much more measured in our takes and our understanding of these things. But this one just doesn't add up. I'm sorry. It really doesn't. I think it's pretty, it's a pretty ridiculous score. It's, there, it seems indefensible. There's no diminishing damage. There's no dominance and there's no duration. Like he checked no D's. It's just a no, clear round there's, win. There's no like, yeah, you're, you're not landing significant blows that are diminishing the opponent. I, I don't see anything here. It's barely a like. Is there even a large margin to be spoken of? It's just a. It's just clear. It's clear for him. There, it's just not no. I, and to be fair, large margin is something that it seems like the um, the judges are being um, shooed away from giving ten eight four. So even if that was the case, no, but. Like, let's say they had that option. I just don't think that's here. This is just a straight 10 9, a solid straight 10 9. 10 9. So, I mean, I think Cologne got it right. I think Reichbach got it right. I think Troy Winkapot was way off here. And that's about as bad as I can get as far as my criticism. I'm not, you know, there's no need to call names, but this is bad. Yeah. It's a bad score. Not a, not a good one. Round three, this was the other one that was up for debate here uh, because, you know, after. Vargas won the second round as well. He's going into this one with a comfortable lead. Uh, and Rongju actually got two out of three scorecards on this one. Of course, Winkapal was the one who gave it to Vargas. What about you? Is there anything to stand on in this round? Do you think this is a better? I, I, he has more of an argument for this round, uh-huh. at least. Because, uh, you know, Rongju didn't land as many strikes, but he landed the better strikes. Much better. And then he throws it on the ground to end the round and landed good shots on top. I thought it was pretty clear for Rongju, but it's not. It, I, I'm not going to go as far as round one and be like, eh, there's just no de- uh, defense for it. It's not like, like you said, it's not as bad as the round one 
situation. But I like I think if it wasn't for how bad round one was of a score, I think I'd almost feel just as aggrieved about this round going one way or the other as as it did. I you, you want when you're giving out the round winner, you have to assess immediate impact more heavily, right? Yeah, of course. And I think we both agree that very significantly the immediate heavy impacts are coming from Rongju. Yes, definitely. That I mean that's I, why we went that way. So. I just can't imagine in that context why you can give this one to Vargas either. I, it's it's not as it, it's not a crazy crazy score like you said, but it's I think it's also not a good score. Well, it's it's also like you said, it, the first round could skew this one. It's so, we're grading on a curve now, right? Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> that we're doing. <laughs> <laughs> it's how the human mind works. At least I guess, mine. yeah. So this is a case where as much as, you know, when I see people go crazy about scores on social media, they're like, oh, robbery. Oh, that's crazy. This judge is terrible. This is one case where I'm like, gosh, guys, I, I can't I can't defend it. It's a bad score from Winkle Paul. So Hopefully he'll done. go back and he'll realize. It's all right. That, we know, all have. I, I think we gave him good praise last time uh, did, when yep. they were in Jacksonville, right? Yes. This one, I don't I don't think so. Yeah, not not this time. I'm right, moving on along though, and this is <laughs> we have not had the chance to break down a round like this, sir. We have with not these scores. We have not. This being Ariane Carnalasi against uh, Liang Na, the first fight of the evening, ended in the second round by TKO. Carnalasi winning that one. Round one. Here are the scores. Derek Cleary gave a 10-9 to Liang. Alice Downs also gave a 10-9 to Liang, and Chris Lee gave a 10-8. To Carnalasi. You don't see that We've every day. We've never had a situation where two judges were on one side and one judge skipped over the, the intermediary score and went all the way to a 10-8 on the other side. And the weird thing is, Dan, after I watched this, because I didn't watch it live with everybody else, after I watched this, I actually kind of got it. I actually understand this situation better than I do either of the Winkapal rounds, if that makes any sense. So I'll say this. Okay. I think the 10-9s for Nah are the worst scores of this round, but you can defend it. It's it's weird, and I think... Sorry, if you have more, I don't want to cut you yeah, off. And I, I don't like going all the way to 10-8 for Connor Lossie, but I think you can defend it. You think I, you defend either way, is what you're saying? Yes. Okay. I lean 10-9 because I actually thought Nah was winning the round up until those final strikes, and I don't think you can go... In just 10 seconds of action, I don't think you can change from, or 10 seconds of that action that we saw can go from you losing 10-9 to you winning 10-8. I disagree. Because I didn't I actually disagree with okay. that statement you're making. Well, explain. Now, before I do, I would just like to say I ended up siding with Chris Lee here as the 10-8, but I was very on the fence between 10-8 and 10-9. Okay. So I'll get that out of the way. But I do think. It's not crazy to go that way because you can change the narrative of it completely because you're weighing the immediate impact of the, you know, the the heavier impacted strikes much more heavily than you would the others. And I don't think it was some sort of crazy blowout or anything for the round. And granted, Liang is winning this round for, like you said, most of the round. But then Harnalasi really pours it on at the end there, right? She really pours it on it to the point where, I mean, the referee's really kind of looking at it like, Maybe I'm stopping this. And and it and it looked like that to me too. Like like maybe really ought to be considering stopping this. And when you start thinking about, hey, maybe the ref ought to be stopping this, while that language is no longer in the criteria as it pertains to assessing a 
I think it goes a long way toward why you could assess a 10-8. Here's my thing. I don't. I think she heard the clacker, said, I, I'm just going to run this round out. I'm exhausted. I didn't think they were all that diminishing strikes. They were heavy strikes, but I don't think they were diminishing her. I thought most of her, I thought most of her uh, was due to cardio issues. She seemed more exhausted to me than she did hurt. And that's why I didn't think it went all the way to 10-8. Look, I don't disagree with you. I'm not saying she was like limp bodied or unconscious or anything like that, but she's not answering. Exactly. She's okay. getting hit. Yes. Okay. I would I will grant you. And if that round had 10 more seconds when she started throwing those, the fight's over. Because she, you right. can't, you can't defend with your face. Mm-hmm. But I think she heard the clacker and felt I can just take these and I'm going to ride out the round and just there. That's not how it works. I mean, that's you're not what supposed to do that. You're not supposed to. But I just don't. I can't th- reward that. No, you're not reward. But see, I don't think she also earned the ten eight because she got dropped in the round. She got was stuck in a really tight arm bar. You had good heavy offense from Na. Mm-hmm. I don't disagree. So. It's it's two good heavy offenses, and then you it's just a little bit to the degree further for Carnalosi in my mind. So I'm only going ten nine. Okay, look, hey, I'm I'm not telling you you're wrong. Believe me, like I said, I was very on the fence, but not in terms of giving it to Liang. It was between ten eight or ten nine for Carnalosi. Well, exactly that that was that was I said I think the ten nine for Na is the worst score. Right, and, uh, okay. and, and I agree. So, One thing I will say, though, I don't want to lose track of that. I wanted to make this point. It, I think it's heavily dependent on your angle. Okay. I I suspect, and I, I didn't actually get to track where the judges were in relation to the action of that is happening. Um, obviously, they can have monitors. Uh, I, don't, I don't know if they have monitors in, in Florida. I'm not entirely certain. I assume they do. UFC, I think, typically tries to get it when they can. Um, but assuming they weren't looking at the monitor. They were trying to watch it from their own angle, right? Mm-hmm. How do we know that they can see how badly Liang is actually getting landed upon, right? Right. And if it's not looking that bad, I think you can very easily still continue to give that one to Liang. Right. I think it's it's defensible. Yeah, totally score. defensible. And I, and I think especially in that context, I think that's something that, you know, yeah, we talk about this stuff all the time, but let's say somebody is not thinking about that. I think we need to make that point for them, you know, like oh, help, help them understand yeah. that that is something that a judge might have is as something that complicates the matters, right? Listen, that round was insane. It was wild, right? That it was, was fun round. Way to kick crazy. off uh, the pay-per-view card in front of all the fans, right? Yeah, so that not an easy round for these no, guys. No, it, so. it was such a strange round. This was a, a, a like one of the strangest rounds that I think we've ever discussed it on is. this show, I don't like think... of a live show, or like a, a follow-up show. You, know, you, texted, rounds. you texted me, you said we just had... A, Two ten nines for one fighter and a ten eight for the other fighter in one round. I said, "Oh boy, this is going to be interesting." <laughs> and it did it live up to it. And it lived up to it. Yeah. All right, but yeah, I, you know, I would say I think it's totally right. I it would have been almost most most sensible to have everybody give it to Carnalossi as a ten nine, and we're debating it as a ten eight. That's what I would say. But I think you do have to give, uh, you know, you give the factors of maybe the judge just isn't at a good angle to see it. And understand why it went that way. So as strange as it as this court is, it's not even close to the one that I'm most uh, yeah. against that happened. Pretty much, it's like yeah. probably fourth. It, it, it definitely goes be, uh, below the ones we already discussed. Definitely, but yeah, that was the most interesting thing we had. Really, it really was. You know, we've we've got a few more. Uh, I know a lot of people got uh, upset about this one, especially in the arena. The only split decision we had of the event in Jacksonville. And that was Dwight Grant, who got a uh, 29-28 times two over Stefan Sekulich, who got another 29-28. Round two here was our split. 
not a not an interesting round, not a whole lot of action, I think, really to score. I don't think we have to spend a whole lot of time on this one, but uh Grant got 10 eights, or excuse me, but Grant got two 10 nines from Chris Lee and Howard Reichbach. Uh Sekulich got the 10-9 from Derek Cleary. Uh where do you side? The thing is I, I didn't think Sekulich did all that much. And granted, mm-hmm. neither did Grant, yeah. but what he did do I thought was better, and I think Sekulich needed to actually do more offense. Like he got the take yeah, down I, and he was in half guard, but he didn't try or, or do anything from there. The commentary team, so, made, you know, was, was kind of talking about how much he was like kind of controlling the fight with his like, you know, his feints and his positioning and all that stuff. It's like, well, none of these things are winning the round. And I don't think right. they're arguing that. Um, but it was, it was that was when the best thing you can say about it is that I think it kind of highlights the fact that there really just wasn't a whole lot of offense coming from Sekulich. There, yeah, like you said, it wasn't. I, I think it's a hard one. To give Sekulich this round, uh, totally def- much more defensible than any of the other scores uh, that we've already discussed here. I think this is just one of those natural uh, lack of uh, offense to yeah. score rounds that we get from time to time here. Uh, so I scored it with Grant. I think you did too, yeah, right? Me, me too. Ten nine. It's not crazy for Cleary to go the other way. It's you know you're talking about a little thing here or there, uh, but I think the right guy won. Yeah, as much as everybody in the arena booed. There, I'm sorry. <laughs> Nothing against the people of Jacksonville, but the people in that arena, not the brightest uh, in, in terms of their ability to understand what happened in that fight. They, they were worried about the wooing. Yeah, stop wooing. Stupid. I love wooing. I, 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 no, no, no. I already want them to go back to uh, UFC Apex. I can't wait for this weekend. Oh, I, don't, no. I don't want the fans. <laughs> I was, I was if I'm sitting it. at home, I want them at home. Actually, I'm there fine. Whatever. I, I did feel that way originally, but after seeing the fans there, I was like, oh, yeah, this is where it's at. Uh, the was... fans are good for certain, like they amplify things that are exciting, but when they start booing stupid stuff, I'm like, God, go home. I don't want you there. <laughs> I just don't. I, and and I want to be able to hear what they're saying in the cage. I like that. We yeah, couldn't that hear is, as that, well what yeah. Usman was saying to Masvidal. And if it was at UFC Apex, we would have heard it. That's true. I like that. I want that. <laughs> All right, moving on, though, we have uh, the last 10-8 round to discuss from this event. Uh, that was Jeff Molina, who beat... Uh, Orichi Lang, who beat Orichi Lang, unanimous decision, 29-28 times two, and a 29-27. Round three was the 10-8 here for Molina. Two judges went 10-9. It was Barry Luxembourg and Sal D'Amato. And the third judge, Tony Weeks, gave the 10-8. Very un-Tony Weeks-like, <laughs> giving all these 10-8s out like candy now. It's very strange to see from Tony Weeks, who's been very 10-8-averse historically. Uh, did you think this was a 10-8 or no? I was torn on this one. I ended up going 10-8. I thought he had overwhelming volume and they were solid shots. I thought he earned the dominant score, but I understand, you know, the way the round ends, that's the most impactful strike of the entire round. So I could see why you'd only go 10-9 when, uh, Origi Lang lands that. Yeah, I'm with you. I, I too was torn, but I ended up siding with the 10-8 and, but, but I do think, I'm not surprised that the judges didn't go this way because, again, I, I I get the sense that commissions are, ever since Dana White started getting involved with the 10-8 conversation last month and changed it up, we've now seen much fewer 10-8s. And it does seem like they're moving away from the, you know, the large margin mm-hmm. to be a qualification for a 10-8. It's not really something that we're going to be seeing as much anymore. And I think it's going to diminish the number of 10-8s that we're going to get uh, just in practice. So. It's unfortunate, but it is what it is. Uh, but yeah, so I gave it a 10-8, but realistically, if we do this in a year, we might look at it and be like, you can't give it a 10-8. That's a shame. 
It is. It is. It's unfortunate. Uh, I want more 10 eights. I want more justified 10 eights and more reasons for justification of 10 eights. But, you know, I, I just don't think we're going to have that much longer. So technically, though, we did both side with Tony Weeks, who Ooh. was on his own of the judges. So what do we call this? Oh, that's a couch side override. <laughs> I like that every time I do that, you laugh. It's a Because it's a funny sound. I know. It, it makes me happy. <laughs> <laughs> You're like my Ed McMahon. Nice. Not always. We're we're equal partners here, but when we do that, you're Matt McMahon. <laughs> nice. <laughs> last fight, last round. I don't think we have to do too much on this one. This was not a very interesting round uh, in a fight that was basically already over. Anyway, Pat Sabatini getting the unanimous nod over Tristan Connolly. Two 29-28s and a 30-27. to 27. Uh, Round three was the only split. And, you know, Connolly, he, he needed to finish, so it didn't matter. But two judges, Eric Colon and Troy Winkapaw. Uh, this time... Uh, not on his own, uh, gave a 10-9 to Connolly, and it was Chris Lee who gave 10-9 to Sabatini. Uh, what about you? Yeah, I, I went 10-9 Connolly, like you said, not the most action-packed round, but I thought Connolly had the better offense, good on the feet. I mean, I'm sorry, good on the ground, good against the cage, gets my vote. Yeah, I'm with you. I I don't have much more to add. It wasn't that interesting. I don't think it's it's too bad to go either way. It's it's another one of those, like, not, not a whole lot happened, so whatever. Yeah. Right guy won. I think we can move on, right? Yep. We had nine finishes, though, sir. Seven by KO or TKO, two by submission. And I know you like to pick your subs, so uh, did did you pick one of these two subs? I mean, I love them all. What did you love? Talk about it. We, I mean, we've got a lot of finishes here. I think we, we can probably discuss one or two, right? One-handed rear naked choke. Randy Brown. That was awesome, Randy Brown. I didn't care for his uh, post-fight interview. Uh, no. But I did, I so I'm not going to give him the nod for my favorite f- finish. All right, that's fine. You know, he he obviously, it's still real impressive what he did against uh, Alex Cowboy Oliveira, you have to admit. Uh, And he also punched him through the, uh, you know, almost through the cage, too. Was he also trying to hit Colby? Yes. Okay. (laughs) Everyone's after Colby. I really, I really love the, uh, I don't even know if it was a heel hook or or a straight ankle. I couldn't tell. I believe they corrected it to uh, ankle. Okay. Um, Yeah, I like that. That was, um, I don't even know who that was. Wasn't that Brendan Allen? That's right. Okay, I'm sorry. Yeah, Brendan Allen uh, over Carl uh, Robertson. Yeah, Brendan Allen getting that sub. But number one goes to Thug Rose. KO first round wins the belt as we discussed already. Beautiful kick, an amazing kick. Yep, good choice. You you resisted temptation over submissions to go for that. I'm impressed. I did. Well, you know, Randy Brown. Oh, just go to my Twitch or whatever. Your nah, Twitter? It, no, he kept saying, "Go to just go to my Twitch." When, oh, when oh. He, they were in his post fight, and that, that soured me a bit. I actually so. missed that. I, I don't even yeah. know what you're talking about. I, I wasn't paying attention to that part. Yeah, he wouldn't answer really any question from Joe Rogan. He just said, yeah, go on my Twitch. I'll tell you everything. <laughs> okay. That might be the last time that they get to talk to him in the cage. Yeah. <laughs> I think Dana will remember that and be like, all right, he's not getting anything. <laughs> so, that's soured It's not me. vindictive at all, in a way. No way. <laughs> but, yours? Yeah, I mean, I, I had a couple. I, I cannot stress enough how amazing... Kamaru Usman's win was amazing. I mean, he baptized real. Street Jesus. He did. He did. Was, <laughs> the fake left hook, the right straight right after, punching a wall through him or punching a hole through his head like it was Mortal Kombat, which I don't know if you watched the movie yet, but uh, I didn't see it yet. A lot of people didn't like it. I'm not going to sit here and say it was good, but I actually did enjoy myself watching it. So there's that. Okay. But uh, yeah, it, that was <laughs> what, a, what a freaking punch, man. And that was incredible. That, that will probably. He can do. I think he can add a lot more to his legacy, but it's hard to imagine him really topping that for pure visual. 
he go goes on Colby. highlight reel, was that? If he go goes Colby. Oh my god, that's the dream. <laughs> that's the dream. <laughs> like he re- he retires that night. Fine, he's the goat at that point. <laughs> no if argument. If he go goes Colby Covington, <laughs> he is the goat, and none shall pass. <laughs> I will tell my children and their children about that magical <laughs> night where Kamaru Usman hit a go go plata on Colby Covington. In the second fight, after he broke the dude's jaw, who no one ever wants to hear talk. Amazing. What a legacy. But also, uh, honorable mention, though, to Dana Bakari, who squashed uh, Kevin Natividad in the prelims in 50 seconds. That was also a pretty excellent finish there. Did you like that one? I did like that one, and I like DC's breakdown of it after. Right on. With his telestrator. <laughs> you like that, huh? Yep. Does it remind you of Madden? Yeah. Not Madden the video game, but John Madden yeah. back when he was, uh, boom, right in the face. 40 center, huh? We gotta get Canton hard, little giants. I miss I miss uh, Madden Summer all on on football games. It's a good team, much better than than Joe Buck and Troy Aikman. Ugh, you don't know my feelings on Joe Buck. It's a Yankee fan. It's not fun. Yeah, no, not not a big fan of Joe Buck. But there was the night before. It's, it's easy to forget now because we had a crazy night on Saturday. But Friday night we did have the season debut after a year away, more than a year really. Uh, PFL came back. I know you hadn't watched PFL before, really, right? I watched um, I watched the finals of season two. Oh, okay. In, in okay. So you actually did watch so, the last time they were there. Yeah. Uh, but you know, now that they're back, they're they, you know, you really kind of got a, an idea of kind of where they're heading. What did you think of the season opening event? How much did you watch the whole thing? I didn't watch all, all that many fights. I, I watched okay. the highlights of the only finish. I watched Brendan Laughlin yeah. getting his uh getting his win. That was the only finish. Yeah, it was. <laughs> We really needed more finishes. I really one. planned on watching the whole thing, but I knew I had to watch the UFC too. And after watching the first fight, the commentary team was just killing me. I Not loved, a fan of uh, Sean O'Connell, Randy Couture, and uh, Kenny I, Florian? I love Florian. I think he's the best one on there. They should pair him with somebody else. Maybe just him and Couture would be good. But the other guy, I don't know, what was his name? O'Connell? Sean O'Connell. Sean O'Connell. Former, uh, former PFL champion, in fact, yeah, I, and UFC veteran. He's well. He should go back to fighting. Uh, it's funny you say that. I'm look. I I I am very much on the fence as far as my my uh, feelings on him in the role. Uh, but there are a lot of people who really like him on social media. When they, when we were watching this, I heard a lot of people saying like, "This is the guy I really enjoy," and I hope he's in the UFC one day. And that surprised me because I I don't think he's. I think he's better on the play-by-play stuff and actually in the fight. But I think when it's kind of the you know, master ceremonies type stuff, I think there's a lot lacking there. And I think he's got room to grow. It wasn't good, but it also could be the setting that he's in that throws him off. Cause he's like 30 feet apart from his, his co-hosts. Yeah. But then, you know, we saw that the UFC and obviously the UFC is, you know, that's the preeminent one in the sport, but yeah, I, I don't know. I don't know what it is, but as far as you know, the presentation and everything like that, what what did you think of PFL's kind of setup there? Did you like it? Did you dislike it? What did you think of? What did you think of? I want fighter know. performance rating. I didn't get it. Uh, it's dumb. I, I think it's really dumb. I think the the verdict global scorecard is stupid. Yep, hundred percent. All that stuff is just nonsense. And uh, I want to know what a smart cage is. Like, can the cage expand its size? Depending I what... what it. I believe what it is is now you can put apps on the cage. Oh, okay. And and yeah, you go. You watch movies and play games on it and stuff. In addition to fighting, that yeah, that's no. It's right. like it's just a buzzy thing. Like this is what PFL does. They they're 
they're very much about kind of putting this very polished atmosphere on it and kind of trying to make it seem more similar to the professional sports that like we watch outside of fighting, you know, I I didn't get that. They really want to make it kind of like a sanitized professional sport situation, but also embrace the fact that it's fighting. And I think it's a very hard line to walk. See, I, their set was awesome. It looked awesome. Yeah. But it's it's, like I said, it's polished, right? In an empty arena, it seems cheesy. Like it seems like it shouldn't be there. Like it doesn't fit to me. I think I get what you mean. I also talking about the commentary team. I I definitely think they need to tone down the the screaming about what's happening, especially O'Connell, because that's something that they learned uh, in the in the UFC Apex Mm -hmm. situation. Is like you can't really just keep shouting, especially if you're giving any instructions. Right. Uh, It's tone it down just a little bit, you know. Yeah. But I like I like how I like of the actual fighting and the format of actual how the f- season works. I do like that. I'm interested in it. But there there's some things about the season format that I think are problematic, um, as, especially as it pertains to fighters. You have uh, one of the fighters, Odinsov, I believe. Or, I'm forgetting. Yeah, the name now. I know you're talking about. Yeah, um, it's escaping me now. I didn't leave this in my notes, but he missed weight. He was the only fighter to miss weight. Okay, so uh, and did... thus he lost a point in these standings. Now that leaves him at a situation where the very best that he can do is if he comes about out there in the next event, which is essentially the regular season finale mm-hmm. for his division. If he wins in the first round, even if he makes weight, he will get six points and then be at five for the season. Almost definitely. Anyone who's making it into the top four is going to have six points just yeah, based on what's happened I, in the past. I don't see any scenario in which this guy can win a million dollars anymore. So other than collecting his paycheck for his next fight, what is the incentive for him to come all the way out here again and do that? Exactly. I, I don't. And I, I just I don't see it. I don't like that uh, split. This I don't like how the points are rewarded. Decisions get three points and the say unanimous or split both get three points. I don't like that. Like I, I don't think, have a problem with that. I thought about that too. I was trying to think, like you know, if a split, if you get a split decision, should you get a point? Maybe yeah, you, you know, get just the losing case, fighter lose. gets. One, I don't know. The winning fighter gets two. Like go out there and put a stamp on the fight. I, look, we've talked judging enough to know that you can put a stamp on it, and sometimes it just doesn't work out as a unanimous. You know, it can, yeah. especially when you're talking about judging that we had last night or on, on Friday night. As much as it actually went pretty smoothly overall. This was regional level judging. None of the, none of the traveling judges were there. The most recognizable, uh, I should say, I shouldn't say that. I should say Dave Torelli was there, but he's a Jersey guy. This is his home. Mm-hmm. And Dave Dave lives like I don't know, ten minutes away from me. Oh wow! Yeah, yeah. I begged this house before. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> yeah, it's that's what kind of we're talking about here. Is you, you're talking about regional level judging, uh, which I'm not to say you can't find good judges anywhere, but. They are less experienced uh, with higher level shows. And at this point, PFL is one of the highest level shows, like it or not. So to not have that type of judging there and to say, you know, the standings are going to rely on that in such a way. I don't know. It's very tough. Well, then I say decision shouldn't be half of a finish in the first round. Maybe two points for a win decision. So at least this guy's still in it now for missing weight because he can go in and get five points, which would be ahead of someone who had four points. Yeah, I, I think that's, there's flaws in this system uh, very much, and, and I think we will we can see them as it develops here. Uh, obviously, this entity has been around for a while, but this is the first year in which they're only having four fighters move on. So I think we're going to see the limitations of the way it is, and, and it may need a little bit of evolution or tweaking uh, for 2022. Um, but we did have 
on this event, some of the past winners, basically all the guys who everyone kind of thought would win or, you know, most conventional wisdom, at least not, not, I shouldn't say that actually, I should correct myself. All the fighters who had come in as much more established and successful, they all lost. Lance Palmer lost. He had won the first two seasons on PFL Had never lost a PFL fight. He lost when it was World Series of Fighting, but technically it's PFL now, right? Nathan Schultz, he lost his first fight. I did see that fight. That fight was awesome. That was a good fight. With Marcin Held. But, but yeah, Schultz, I mean, this was someone who's a two-time champion of PFL. And in the main event, we had Anthony Pettis. He lost his fight against Clay Collard. He was like the big deal acquisition of the entire offseason. And it he lost his first fight. If he had five rounds, he might have won. It's possible. But I do think that a lot of it is just the matchup. I think I think the style stylistic matchup here. I don't think there's a situation where Anthony Pettis is washed or anything like that. You know, the, his best days are behind him. That's not <laughs> that's obviously that that's I think we know that now. But I think it's just a situation where Clay Collard is a much bigger man, a much better striker at this point because he's he's a real legit boxer who can also kick and everything like that too. Uh, it just wasn't a good matchup for him. Well, it's yeah, but and we've seen when Pettis gets bullied, that's when he's at his worst. So. Absolutely, and any bullying striker can can have their way with Pettis. So yeah, unless he finishes you, which he almost did in the third third round. round, he hit that head kick. Yeah, he really almost turned the tide and stole that win, but uh, in the end, it didn't go his way. But we should talk about that fight. I think this is the only one we really need to break down for contested rounds. There were there were other ones on the uh, the earlier portion of the card. Uh, they don't really consider it prelims in PFL because technically they're all like they all kind of count the same way. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that's that's just branding. That's jargon. Um, let's talk about this main event here. Round two was one round in which there was a 10-8-9 disagreement here. And everyone saw it for Collard, of course. That was a big round for Collard uh, with Dave Torelli and Donnie Carolay. They both saw this for Collard at 10-8. Uh, Cardo Urso, veteran judge, uh, with a lot of UFC experience as well, he only gave this one a 10-9 for Collard. What did you think of this round? Yeah, I thought this was a 10-8. He dropped Pettis twice, was landing huge bombs. I thought it was going to get stopped uh, at the one point, but Pettis hangs, hanged tough, but he he took a beat in that round. Yeah, this is a very strong 10-8 argument here. I mm-hmm. I think th- I think this is one where, where Urso dropped the ball. I think this is a 10-8. This is a definitive yeah. 10-8. Mm-hmm. You can check all three Ds. Oh, yeah, for sure. This is this is where, no matter what, people should be scoring 10-8s. But you know, like I said, we you know Dana White has thrown off the well, calculus of everything. It well, it did. It uh checked off the fourth D. Dana White's you know butt whooping. <laughs> That's the fourth D. It checked. <laughs> oh that my one. goodness! Yes, oh, it's perfect. So. That should be that should be written into the scoring criteria. Dana White butt whooping. <laughs> if it checks that off, just give it a ten eight. In fact, ignore the other ones. Yep. Just that should be the criteria. <laughs> Tear everything apart. If it's a Dana White butt whooping, give it a 10-8. If it's not, it's a 10-9. Yep, exactly. That's the simplest system. <laughs> Someone, <laughs> don't tell ABC. <laughs> you know, did you did you hear the news that I broke over the weekend? Uh, or actually on Thursday, though, Dan? Maybe. Mike Mazzulli, who is the former ABC president and has been uh, the head of the Mohegan Tribe Commission, which you know they do a lot of work in Bellator. Uh, he works heavily with Bellator. Apparently, he will be running for ABC president. Okay. He uh, he um, wasn't able to run last time because of term limits. You can't run more than two times in a row or okay. can't be president two times in a row. So he had to stop and, and Brian Dunn had stepped into that role. But he has declared his intent to run again because I guess as long as it's as long as you've stepped away, you can come back to it. Yeah. If you take or something. 
All right. Very weird. Um, and it sounds like it's, from what I'm hearing, we should pretty much just prepare for Missouli's going to be the head of the ABC again. Okay. Nobody really seems to want this job. I think it's uh, it's a lot of work, a lot of extra work, and a lot of other people have a lot of other things to do. So mm-hmm. it's just something that a lot of people just aren't interested in. It's it's not really, it's not worth the hassle, I guess. So if no one else is going to do it, Mazzulli's like, well, I'm going to do it. All right. Step so out. It, we'll, we'll see what that means for uh, changes to the sport and, and, and the stability of the ABC commission. Hopefully he can try to find a way to work with commissions and bring them all on the same page and get back to the unified rules. Of mixed martial arts again, which became ununified during uh, during the tail end of his second run, I believe, or okay. it might have been All in the right. middle of his second run. All right, so maybe some more change then coming this way. We'll, we'll see. Hopefully, hopefully for the good. We'll see what we get. Right. Yep. Totally. That's the end for this one. I we had a lot to discuss. Hope you guys had a lot of fun listening. Uh, we'll be back again as always at the end of the week. We'll be looking ahead to oh we've got a lot going on right we've got some Bellator we've got some PFL we've got UFC back it's gonna be a busy weekend busy 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 we'll we'll even see which which, uh which ones will be already passed by the time we do the show right yeah I think PFL is on Thursday this weekend they are on Thursday yeah so we'll, we'll see how we discuss that one yep thanks for listening take care everybody 